0: You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. 1 Corinthians 4, 1-7, to 7, and I'm going to read it here before we jump in. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would Uh, Help me this morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, I pray that you would speak. Thank you that you are a speaking God. Holy Spirit, thank you that you have come to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And so I pray that that would be true for all of us in this room this morning, that you would speak and our ears would be open to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. One of Paul's primary concerns with these first four chapters of First Corinthians thus far has been to address factions or squabbles, jealousy that was taking place as certain groups within the church were attaching themselves to a specific leader that they preferred. If you remember, we go back to 1 Corinthians 1.11, And we read, therefore, it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. And then again in chapter 3 of verse 4, Paul again says, for one when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Uh, the NLT says, Aren't you acting like people of the world? The Corinthian church was influenced greatly by the practices of the culture in Corinth, the sophists, teachers, the philosophers many who prized form above content were being held up as the standard for those who were leaders in the church. How, how you sounded was more important than anything else. Uh, so long as you could dazzle the crowd, maybe integrity or your private life wasn't a big deal. But Paul has already reminded the Corinthians that myself, Apollos, Cephas, we're servants of Christ in chapter three, and ultimately one sows a seed, one plants, one waters, but ultimately God, by his grace, gives the increase. God cares deeply about his church And he cares deeply about those who are called to serve it. So now here in chapter 4, Paul tells the Corinthians, in a sense, how they're to think about Christian leaders. This is what Christian leaders should look like. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but Paul gives us a few things here of really what a Christian leader should look like. And he begins the, the the our text in verse 1 by saying, this is how one should regard us. This is how one should think of us. And he says, we're servants. Leaders are servants. The Greek word used here is only used here. And the meaning is that is, 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 is someone who is an under rower, one who rows in the lower part of a large ship. But this word came to mean over time and an assistant or one who receives direction or, or orders. When you think of Christian leaders, you should think servants. One who's in the bottom of the boat, as it were, rowing. When you think of Christian leaders, you should think servant of Christ. One who is under the authority of Christ, receiving direction and their marching orders from the chief shepherd. A Christian leader is a servant of Christ. A Christian leader has one master. I read an article in World Magazine a few years back on the fear of man, and we all have it, don't we? We all have it, don't we? (laughs) And um, there was a, a line that just stuck out big and bold, and this is what it said. It says, the problem with the fear of man is that you have a thousand masters to serve instead of one. That's why it's vitally important that servants of Christ, Christian leaders be absolutely convinced that they have one master because otherwise there's we have a thousand that we're seeking to serve instead of the one. Church leaders can be tempted to, to fear man, to want to please man. And have, have you ever noticed in the church that we all, we all are quite opinionated? You ever noticed that? Pretty, pretty much about everything. Have you ever noticed that? And have you ever noticed that we're pretty okay with sharing all our opinions to whoever will listen? Like the Corinthians, we. We like this guy that we hear on the radio. We don't like this guy that we've heard in a podcast. Um, We definitely got favorites. What I find interesting is that often we know very little about those we listen to on a podcast or the author of a book we read and yet we speak as if they are sinless and have never done any wrong but the faithful servant who labors intensely to bring the word of God to bear each week in our souls. uh, It's very easy sometimes to just have all kinds of issues. You ever notice that when we're up close, we see blemishes. When we're a long ways away, we don't. I always say a, a big shot is a little shot away from home because you can be a big shot and be impressive when someone doesn't know anything about you. But what really matters is is those who are close, up close. That's what matters, what they know about you and what they love about you and respect and encourage thinking this week um about our pastor here and realizing that i am a a designated hitter do you know what that is i if you think about baseball i get up here maybe once a month and the week that i get up here to do this is absolutely excruciating it's it's Wonderful because I feel like the Lord does great things in my soul, but it's tough at the same time. But someone like our pastor, that rarely am I not moved to love Jesus more as he points us to Jesus every week, is a unique gift, is it not? I mean, this is a tough gig. And, and then, and then you all have an opinion. <laughs> servants of Christ, one master. We're servants of Christ and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. They serve their master by stewarding the mysteries of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 7, we would have seen this already, but we, are, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So this mystery, this mysteries of God that we're called to steward is the hidden wisdom of God that we impart It was hidden until Christ came, until the time of Christ. But now that Christ has come, it's no longer hidden. The good news of Jesus Christ is the mysteries of God. And it has been revealed to the servants of Christ. The mysteries of God is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified that we read of in chapter 2. Paul says, Church leaders have been entrusted. They've they've been called to steward what God has given them, and what God has given them is the gospel. As servants of Christ, they're called, entrusted to steward the gospel. Now, this word steward speaks of someone who supervises a large estate. Um, Think of a rich landowner who would find someone to do the work of running the estate. This was a serious position. He, he'd be responsible for the day-to-day affairs. This person was would have been a slave, subject to no one else but the master. But he to his master he was a slave, but to other slaves he was the master. He was placed in charge. Christian leaders something has transpired in our lives the call of god has transpired and now these leaders are are committed to stewarding the mysteries of god they've been entrusted with the gospel paul apollos didn't own this truth it didn't originate with them god was the one who invaded their lives and entrusted it to them and as servants of christ we go where God sends us and we deliver what God gives us to deliver. Now you're probably leaning in a little bit here and thinking to yourself at this point, aren't we all servants of Christ and haven't we all been called to steward the gospel? And I would say absolutely we have. But here in this text, Paul is speaking primarily about Christian leaders. That's why in verse 6, he says this, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. He's, he's saying, I'm using myself and Apollos as an illustration to the point I'm trying to make. If you pay attention to what I'm saying, he's saying you won't be proud of one leader over another, but you will see them as servants of Christ entrusted with the mysteries of God. He's not saying here that Christian leaders have a superior position or role. If you are in Christ this morning, you are a servant of Christ first and foremost. You have been called to steward the gospel as well. You've been entrusted with the gospel. If we look at the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 7 of an elder we find very quickly that many of those qualifications is required in all who are Christian, who confess the name of Christ, who are servants of Christ. Here's, here's a few, just to, to name some. The thing I greatly feared about using an iPad, it, it all disappeared a minute ago. There it is, it's back. <laughs> Here, here's a few, above reproach. Does that not apply to, to you this morning if you were in Christ? Sober-minded. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle. There's just a few. You realize quickly that all Christians should look this way, and except for a couple qualifications listed, that, that an elder should not be a recent convert and able to teach. So, Yes, we are all servants of Christ, and yes, we are all entrusted with the good news of the gospel. But specifically, Paul is honing in on what's going on among the Corinthians and the struggles they're having over he's my favorite, he's my favorite. Christian leadership is not another tier, it's that that's up the ladder, it's not a superior position, if anything. It is, as one man said, it's an inverted pyramid where leaders are enslaved, belonging to the community, and must serve it from below. This is what Jesus said of himself in Mark 10, 42 to 45. And Jesus called them to him, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their Great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're servants of the greatest servant ever who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We follow his lead. And as ones who are servants of Christ entrusted with the gospel, verse 2 tells us that it is required of us as stewards that we be found faithful I was thinking this week, reminded of the parable in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, of the talents. The master calls his servants and entrusts them to his property. He gives one five, he gives one two talents, and one one. We know what the guy did with the one talent. Servant with the five went at once and traded them, gaining five more, and so did the guy with two It's interesting that the the master says the very same thing to the servant with five talents and two talents. He says, you've been faithful. Notice that word, faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your masters. But But there's something interesting in this text where it says after a long time, after a long time. Doesn't it feel sometimes like just being faithful, Servants of Christ, entrusted with the good news of the gospel. Does, does it not feel sometimes like life is a long time and you just wonder when when the master, when the Lord's going to return and make all things new? He, he he's all about process. The Lord is all about process. He's all he's all about in between A to Z, not trying to get us to Z as quick as possible. Our life is one big process where he's always at work in us. As I said, sometimes uh, reading this text and looking at different things online regarding leadership, and um, I was in, in the office Monday this week, early reading a bunch of bunch of stuff on christian leadership and man i just felt like all kinds of stuff was going on in my heart and i thought it's been a while since i asked my wife some some hard questions and and uh can i give you some advice don't ask your wife hard questions unless you want to know the truth <clears throat> So I I set her up. I said, I love when the kids go to bed later, could we talk? Uh, I got got some questions that that I need to ask you, And so she was prepared. And here's the two questions I asked her. I said, "Um, do you see any area of hypocrisy in me? And then I asked her, am I the same in private as I am in public? I want to be found faithful. And I know Paul is applying this to Christian leaders, but I believe this applies to everyone in this room this morning. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're a servant of Christ and you've been entrusted with the gospel. You've been called to steward the good news of the gospel and a question I would have for you is Do you have safeguards in place right now so that one day you will stand before him and be found faithful? What Paul is saying in essence is this I'm living today and every day in light of that day where I want to hear my Savior say, Well done. It was the great German reformer, Martin Luther, who wrote this, I have two days on my calendar, this day and that day, referring to the day when he would stand before the Lord to hear his voice say, well done. Church, this is what we should be living for. Along the way, there will be many voices that will approve and disapprove. My own heart condemns me often. I love that verse in John chapter three, I think. First John that says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. What matters most is God's Commendation of me when I stand before him. The approval or disapproval of the church means nothing in comparison to the words we will hear from the one who called us to be servants of Christ on that final day. And that's why Paul can say in verses three and four, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul isn't saying here that there isn't a time and place for self-examination, but ultimately my conclusions, he's saying, are not the final word. The words of the Corinthian church are not the final word. Human judgments as well as our own are not the final word. It's it's as if he's saying, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord's opinions that matters. Therefore, Therefore, I won't take people's criticism or flattery too seriously. We should take it, but we should not take it too seriously. We should weigh it. We should maybe put it on the shelf and pray about it and all the while keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Can, can I just give you a tip for, uh, for not the designated hitter but for the guy who preaches every Sunday? When, when, you, when you go up to him at the end of a service and say, Pastor, thanks so much. Thanks for preaching great word this morning. That's, that's good, but what if, what if you were like specific? What if you like could actually think about something specific, a way that God used him to speak a word into your heart in that moment where you could, you could go and say, pastor, I just wanted to thank you. And this is why specifically when you were sharing this, this is how God spoke to me. I, can I encourage that? That, that is so far superior than great sermon. And you're all thinking, oh, man. <laughs> it really makes us have to think a little bit, right, about how we give encouragement. And then, it, you know, this is to church leaders. If, if you've taught a Bible study or you teach a Bible study or you're involved in, 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 in teaching in any way, um, when someone does bring you encouragement, uh, don't say, oh, that's nothing. It was the Lord. <laughs> have you ever heard somebody say that? It wasn't me, brother. It was the Lord. No, it wasn't because the Lord would have did a way better job. <laughs> it was good, but it wasn't the Lord. Okay? Just I think in those moments we just say, thanks. I appreciate that. Appreciate the encouragement. He used to have a friend that said he would, he would go home in, in the evening on a Sunday or at a conference or whatever, he'd lay his head on the pillow and he, he would have a time with the Lord. He said where he would transfer all the glory. If anybody said, hey, God used you today, specifically spoke to me in this way, he'd lay on his bed and say, Father, in your kindness, you, you took a jar of clay this morning that holds the treasure and the treasure shined through in some way, and it made people love Jesus more. And so all, all the glory and praise be to you. This is, how, this is how you're to think of us, Paul said. Faithful servants of Christ, entrusted to steward the gospel, until the final day Therefore, verse five, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. What Paul isn't saying here is he isn't saying that we aren't to judge in the church. I think we can be tempted to say that and I think in a world that is all about that right now, that's not what he's saying. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter, in chapter 5, Paul's going to correct the church for failing to judge someone who's sexually, immorally, sexually immoral and of a kind that's not even tolerated among pagans, he says and they are not judging. There are many verses that speak of the need to be discerning and demand that we judge wisely. The issue in the Corinthian church, and our issue often as well, is that we are known for our judgmentalism and not our wise judgment. Often we're known for our quick judgments, failing to understand that God is a God of process. We have to get it off our chest. And I think at times we're all tempted to evaluate certain leaders over another or a certain group over another judging the ones that don't, don't meet our standard or fit in our camp. Man, I, I think of me, I don't know, nine years into ministry, so um, 23 years ago, you would have put me in another camp and been very concerned for me. I love Jesus deeply, but let's just say my uh, interpretation of the scriptures was a little interesting at times. When, when we're quick to judge like that, we're, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. We play God in that moment and that's never a wise thing to do because only God knows according to the scripture the end of the story only god knows the motives the thoughts the purposes of man's heart and yes we need to be uncompromising in the truth and yet we need to be filled with grace knowing that people are in process hebrews 4:13 says no creature is hidden from his sight that can be a terrifying verse or a great verse an encouraging verse, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And on that day he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and he will disclose the purposes of the heart. The weight of understanding that I am a servant of Christ and that you are a servant of Christ and of the mysteries of God and that there is a day coming where we will stand before Jesus should be a big deal to us. It should be a big deal to every pastor and to every Christian. But notice something at the end of verse five. It says, then each one will receive his commendation from God. That's, That's beautiful. It doesn't say that they're going to receive their rebuke, but they're going to receive praise. Listen to what D.A. Carson says. He says, how wonderful about this text. How wonderful the king of the universe, the sovereign who has endured our endless rebellion and sought us at the cost of his son's death, climaxes our redemption by praising us. He is a wise father who knows how to encourage even the feeblest efforts of his children. What this way of concluding the paragraph shows is that in this case, at least, God judges less sternly than the self-appointed judges in the church. Paul here presupposes that the leaders in question are not to be disciplined, shut out, ignored, They are bona fide Christian leaders, and on that day, God himself will praise them. And a final word from verse 7 to all of us. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive, and if then you received it, why boast as if you did not receive it? Paul's saying, it's, it's the who, what, why. He's saying, who makes you any different than anyone else? That's usually where our judgments happen, isn't it? When we've set ourselves up higher than someone else. And so Paul's, Paul's putting us all back on a level playing field at the foot of the cross. And Paul's saying, who makes you any different from anyone else else? The same grace of God at work in your pastors is the same grace of God at work in you. We are all first and foremost Christians and then go ahead and put whatever you do. I'm a Christian and then I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian and then I'm a doctor. What do we have this morning that we did not receive? from the Savior's gracious hand. And how can any of us boast this morning because it is all come from his grace. In a minute, we're going to come to this table and we're going to take a piece of bread that represents his body that was broken for us. Undeserving ones, Ones that have never once for a moment measured up to his ultimate standard. We're going to take his body that was broken and we're going to dip it in the juice or the wine which signifies, represents his blood that was shed for us. His body, his blood broken and shed instead of mine. What grace. And I have nothing to boast in I'm a servant of Christ who's been called, entrusted with the good news of the gospel and that I would be found faithful one day is all of grace. Grace from beginning to end, it's all grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Amazing grace, amazing grace that you would save us, that you would call us, that you would entrust us with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so help us, help us Lord to love one another and to be a means of grace in one another's life that we might stand before you and be found faithful on that day. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to midtownchurch.com.